one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you like doing a little bit of compliance, why not send some our way and hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. Also, I've set up a channel membership just in case you want to show your support and help keep story time going for as long as possible. So if you love my videos or want to have your comments shown like this one by Phantasm, click the join button below this video. That said, our first story of the day is by Man the Manly Man Man. I want it as black as your shirt. This happened a while ago, but I felt it was worth a share. I work in a small kitchen and this customer came in who we have named Burnt Ham Lady. She comes in and orders a ham po' boy and asks us to throw the sliced ham deli meat onto the grill and char it up for her. One day, I guess our char wasn't good enough and she sends it back and tells us she wants the ham as black as our shirts. Cue the malicious compliance. Against our better judgment, we turn the grill up past 500 and slap the ham down until it's just char. We aren't happy with it. It looks a little disgusting, but we send it out. She eats it and kind of just casually says it was a little too burnt. She never again asked for it as black as our shirts, but to this day, I'm baffled that she ate it. Having read this story, I'm a little curious. Sometimes, some things I do like a little overdone. Like for me, something I love is pepperoni on the pizza when it's a little bit overdone. I also don't complain too much about bacon, sometimes toast is nice like that. There's even like well done Cheez-Its which I really like. Are you a fan of some things being a little overdone or maybe even on the burnt side a little bit? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Zimbora. Use a template for forwarding tickets? No problem. I used to work in a call center for a while as first level support. I did three different projects. This was my last one as support for a pharmaceutical company. General stuff, solve technical issues and if it's not possible, then send it to second level teams. Our team leader got feedback from the second level teams that we don't share enough information when sending a ticket to them. So they created a template to use when forwarding a ticket. The template was very generic and was only good for like two types of issues to handle so I didn't use it that much. I was good at what I was doing so no complaints about me anyway. The team leader approached me to use the template every time I forward a customer case. I told him that the template is basically useless for most of the issues, that's why I didn't use it. He insisted to use it anyway. Cue to malicious compliance. From now on, I used the template for all the tickets I forwarded and it really increased the time to log a case. I used some self-created templates previously so I could do it as fast as I can. Because of having to go fill in all the unnecessary details, I could do a ticket in like 3-5 to five minutes, it went up to 10-20, to 20, depending on the case. This made my performance go down a bit, but like I cared, they told me to use it all the time. In the end, I found out if a keyword is used, the report shows I used the template. I recreated my templates, including the keyword, so I could log tickets fast again. But as mentioned, using the template took a lot of time, so I spend my time in ticket handling for the same amount of time. 
but not actually doing anything, just relaxing. Perks of work from home, I suppose. They always pushed us to work as fast. The idea of a template was reducing the time needed for logging, duh, as we could, as the volume was high, but whatever. They asked me to use their stupid template anyway. In the end, I was barely doing any calls, as I was on my notice. But they didn't fire me as they needed me to handle the workload. I was hoping to be fired or just let go so I could start my new job earlier. No more call centers, thanks. I think in this situation it was definitely something that echoes the only really caring about the second level and not so much the first. Whatever management clearly was like, okay, second level wants this, we need that done. I don't care how good you are on the first level, we're just going to do this exact cookie cutter thing. It's all done without an attention to detail, which is actually analyzing what's good and what's bad on the first level. This next story is by Matt Rock J. Your assignment isn't long enough. Describe your thinking process. So I'll first say, university is hard, but bad professors make it 10 times harder. My literature professor in particular made a point that he is very stringent on grading. Everything needed to be done exactly as asked, and you must use what you learned in class. This isn't uncommon, but it was like he was railroading us to do everything his way. Which is ironic since, like I said, it was a literature class. Anyways, on a recent assignment, I'll admit I didn't exactly put my heart and soul into it. It was just a book report, but I didn't care much for the book. So I sort of just skimmed it. Anyways, after I got my grade back, I discovered that I'd gotten a C. And the only notes he gave were, your assignment isn't long enough, describe your thinking process. Needless to say, I was thoroughly pissed. I didn't put my all into it, but it's not like I didn't try. So fine, you want a longer assignment, you'll get one. The next assignment was on Shakespeare, and we were allowed to use any of his works. I'd done Romeo and Juliet so many times it'd become boring, but that also meant I was really good at it, more specifically, writing about it. The next week of my life was spent writing a very intricate and a long essay detailing a surrealist perspective of Juliet and her suicide. Actually, I'm pretty proud of it too. Best part though, it was 12 pages. I literally detailed every tiny piece I could squeeze out. I included dictionary definitions, references to modern literature, and even a whole BS segment claiming it was a retelling of Hamlet. Mostly just me trying to make as many statements as possible. Anyway, since everything's online now, I handed it in through the Dropbox system they have. Feeling pretty content with myself, I decided to look at some of the other submissions. The longest one I found was four pages, also about Romeo and Juliet, and I instantly become even more pleased with myself. So grading time comes around, and it seems to be taking a little longer than usual. Actually, I got my grades for that assignment a week late. I checked mine and was shocked to see no notes, but I did get an A. However, in the notes for the whole class, I found it said, please keep future assignments below three pages unless specified. Pretty sure I won that battle. Although OP definitely won this battle and pulled one over on the teacher, my hat actually goes off to that teacher for sitting down and reading through all 12 pages. At least, them putting the grades in a week late suggests that they actually did make an effort to read through it all. The no notes makes it surprising, but like, if they actually did read through everything OP put out, Because a lot of times when I hear stories like this where people write really long things, the teacher don't even finish it. I actually commend that professor. 
Our next story is by the Crooked Compass. You can use extension cords. A few years ago, I was looking at a garage rental space for a workshop. I met with the landlord and everything looked great, except that there was only one outlet in this huge space and it was at the completely wrong end of the building. I asked the guy about the electric, explaining I needed to run tools. He said, yeah, that's fine, and I won't charge you for electric. I said, okay, awesome. Is there any way I can have another outlet added farther out into the space? He seemed very confused and asked why I couldn't just use extension cords. I explained that I'd have to run one over a hundred feet and it would cross over the garage door entrance, and I'd be worried about the resistance tripping the breaker, which I didn't have any access to. Again, he seemed very confused. I simplified my explanation again, figuring he didn't know much about electrics. And he said, okay, we can definitely talk about adding an outlet. So with my electrical concerns addressed, I agreed to come back the next day to put down a deposit and sign the lease. The next day, I arrive, check in hand, and once again ask him about the electric. He again seems very confused with my issue, again asking why I can't just use extension cords. I patiently explain again, this time saying, Well, the junction box is right here. I could just run another line, and I'll do everything to code. He says no, says he doesn't want me messing with the electric. I figure he's concerned with insurance, so I say, What if I hire an electrician to do it and paid for it? It would make the space more attractive to future tenants. But again, he disagreed, and this time said, I think you should just use extension cords. At this point, I was torn. I wanted this space, it was a reasonable price and size, but the electric was important as well. I pushed the issue one more time, but again he wouldn't relent and said, I don't want anyone messing with the electrical. Okay, fine. I say, would you mind if I hung up the extension cords on the top of the wall so it's out of the way? He says, yeah, sure, that's fine. I say, so it's okay if I screw or staple the wires up. He says, yeah, absolutely, no problem. I say, okay. So I signed the lease and a few days later went to the hardware store, bought 250 feet of 12.3 Romex, electrical house wire for those not familiar, an outlet box, an outlet, and a pack of wire staples and a heavy duty plug end. I looked up the local electrical code and went to town. I wired up an extra outlet, just as an electrician would, complete with two code wiring placement and staples and all and then ran it all the way to the existing outlet and terminated it into the heavy-duty plug. I effectively made a really nice extension cord. This worked perfectly, never popped the breaker, and was a lot safer than running a random extension cord across the building. The best part was his reaction. He didn't notice until I was about to leave, and I asked him if he wanted me to take it down. He said, wait, you did that? I thought that was just wiring that was already here. Then when I pointed out to him that he could have just had it spliced into the junction box by an electrician, he was impressed and said, No, that's fine. You can leave it. I don't know if this guy was just afraid that somebody wanted to get something done that wasn't the best idea, or was afraid that they would hire somebody that would mess things up. I would definitely say though, depending on where I'm living, having accessible outlets in the most comfortable of places is honestly like a very big selling point for me. I've lived in houses that had unconventional spots or fewer outlets than you would desire, and you always wish you had the money to blow to just call up an electrician and just get nearly every wall outfitted with an outlet or something. 
Don't you just hate though that OP offered to pay a real electrician to get it professionally done the right way, and at the very end OP does it the less right way, but the guy's like, oh this is great, you can leave that up no problem. I'd be pretty annoyed at the end. Our next story is by Oh My God Stop Pit. Sure, you can ask me to do that again. Backstory, I've always been a tidy person. When I was a kid, I cleaned my room and made my bed with no one telling me I needed to. I picked up the common living areas at home because I wanted to. I've also been a person who does not like doing yard work. Back in the summer when I was 8 years old, my parents asked me to mow the lawn that day while they were at work. Excuse me, what the freak? Not only do I not do that kind of work, I had two older brothers, 10 and 15, who were the ones to take care of the outside maintenance. I was pissed, so I whined, complained, put up a fight. I wasn't going to do it. My mother called me throughout the day to remind me to mow the lawn and have it done by the time the parents came home. Ugh, fine. Cue the malicious compliance. I got out the lawnmower, looked at the half acre of grass, much of it on a hill, and got down to business of doing what I was asked. I haphazardly pushed that mower all over the yard, straight lines veering off into squirrels, then diagonal lines, random stopping points in the middle of a row, making shapes, and just made a mess of the yard. I did that on the front, sides, and back. Most of the grass was still uncut. My parents came home and asked me what the heck did I do? How it wasn't okay, it needed to be fixed, they were mad at me, blah blah blah. I looked them straight in the eyes and said, You can ask me to mow the lawn again, but I'll do the same thing. I don't like it, and I clean the inside. Take it or leave it. They left it. Never mowed the lawn again, and never did any yard work again. I wish as a kid I equally had the ability to tell my parents, No, I don't want to do that kind of work. But also, just having the drive to clean up after myself as a kid like OP did. I would be unstoppable if I had that amount of drive. And our final story of the day is by six ones, nine, and then five ones. No worries, I got you covered. This one happened when I was serving as a mechanic in the military. Our unit was deployed on a domestic op for disaster relief. We had about 90 vehicles that made the drive, and it took three long days of driving to get there. For anyone not familiar with old military vehicles from the 90s, they're definitely an uncomfortable ride and don't go very fast. Each vehicle had two assigned drivers that rotated at their own discretion. Anyone not assigned to a vehicle got to ride in comfort either in one of the charter buses or there were a couple of flights home. Both options were much more comfortable than driving. The day we arrived, a vehicle was brought to us with a broken rear window. Low on the priority list, but still not legally roadworthy. I tagged the side window with a grounded vehicle notice and took the universal key from the vehicle. All our vehicles of the same type have the same key style to switch on the ignition. The doors are never locked because key tracking with the amount of vehicles we have is non-existent, and there's always guards around the compound at night. I noticed the next day before lunch, the vehicle wasn't in the compound, but I didn't think much of it. I knew it wasn't being worked on because it's a small shop and I manage shop flow. Over the next three weeks, I noticed it was usually gone at lunch, but was always there when we were shuttering down the shop in the evenings. I should mention the mess hall that we were eating at was about a 15 minute walk from the compound. Once I noticed a pattern with this vehicle, I sat outside before lunch puffing on a cigar and playing on my phone. I watched the drivers that dropped the vehicle off broken walk up to it, remove my grounded tag, then drive off in the vehicle towards the mess hall. 
The big red grounded tags are supposedly a chargeable offense if removed by anyone other than a mechanic. But no one in my unit would enforce that, especially because one of the drivers was an officer. So I let it go and made sure no one fixed that window. A couple of days before the road move home, I saw the lists go out. Everyone who drove out in a vehicle was driving it back home. Everyone else was stuffed on buses and overflow had three flights home. Sure enough, that officer and his buddy were on the flights because their vehicle was grounded and going home on a flatbed. The day before the flights, I went over and screwed some plywood over the window of that vehicle, then informed his chain of command that his vehicle was roadworthy and needed a driver to go home. There were no available flatbeds, I made sure of that. The officer came down all upset to try and get it on a truck anyway because his flight was tomorrow. But my sergeant was well aware of the situation and told him if his vehicle was roadworthy every day to drive him to the mess hall, then it definitely was able to get him home. The look on his face was priceless. Three days of crap driving to save himself 15 minutes of walking a day. I just love the fact that OP waited until there was no way this guy could weasel out of it to totally slap them down and stick them in this car and make sure they have an uncomfy, bumpy ride home in a vehicle they're very familiar with. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 